Welcome back to the Balance Boldly Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Rinthigpen, Balance and Relationship Advisor, making sure that you can get through this thing called life with ease and full healing if you're brave enough to be intentionally selfish. You guys know, for those of you who have been following, you know I mean that in a redefined way because intentionally selfish is all about creating that personal spaciousness that you need to do the healing work, right? Backing up, doing the self-forgiveness work, making sure that you have room to breathe so you're not giving endlessly and selflessly to the point that you resent it. We especially don't want that point to ripple over and impact those that we're doing all the things for, our forever lover, if that's your jam, as well as your children. So today, I have an incredible expert and woman. I'm excited to share her expertise and her joy with you because she is giving me all kinds of great juicy vibration right now. So we're going to dive right in. I want to introduce all of you to Rebecca Givens Rowland. She's an oral and written language specialist in neurology department of Children's Hospital of Boston and a lecturer at Harvard University. Some of her Special topics are communication, mental focus, and creativity. She's often being hired by a lot of top-notch organizations to come in and help them design powerful learning experiences for kids and adults. Rebecca, welcome to the Balance Bully Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. This is wonderful. Yeah, I'm super, super excited. Um, I was teasing Rebecca before we got started. I had to, you know, shamefully pull up her book and make her smile. Don't you love when people are like, oh, look, I bought all your things. That's so nice. <laughs> right? And the nerd that I am bookmarking all of it, this amazing new book, The Art of Talking with Children, Simple Keys to Nurturing Kindness, Creativity, and Confidence in Kids. Do you mind telling everyone about why you decided to write the book? What inspired you to go there? Definitely. Yeah. So I'm the mom of two kids who are now five and 10, as well as a speech pathologist and lecturer. And what I realized is that in my clinical work, working with kids, I know so much about the power of conversation, just how much it can bring kids creativity, confidence, independence, all of these skills. But then I realized in my own family life, I was often on autopilot with my kids. So I actually wasn't taking a lot of what I knew and applying it in my own life, which I thought was kind of ironic and really a missed opportunity. Uh, I started talking with other parents and I realized so many of us are in the same boat. So this is a really an attempt to fill that gap. Yeah, you're definitely feeling it. For those of you who have not got this book yet, please run and get it. Whether you have children, god babies, nieces, nephews, or just the neighbor down the street that you know could use a little help in the communication area, we have all been in the supermarket and seen those parents trying not to judge, but wanting to support. This is a great book. I'm going to go as far as say that this is a little bit of like a talking children's Bible, <laughs> the way that it's written. It is, you did such a fantastic job of segmenting and breaking it down by developmental ages, the lifestyle changes that kids are going through down to their temperament and attitudes that a lot of us, my kids are 21 and 25, so I'm way past many of those moments. But I have grandbabies now that are three and four. One has autism spectrum disorder definitively, the other is being evaluated and also has sickle cell disease. So there's a lot of nuances there that my son, God bless, has to, you know, navigate through sure. and we get to be the support people. But a lot of those challenges are happening regardless of other 
um, comorbidities that might be happening for these kids these days. And parents are challenged with how to have these really crucial conversations when kids are coming to you in their own way saying, I have a very limited social battery. I don't want to go to the family picnic and be there for five hours with grandma, right? Like, exactly. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't have it. And they're they're giving back all kinds of energy to parents that we're not always, we don't have capacity necessarily to always manage. And you said something um, towards the end of your book where you do a lot of like, here's how to, like, here's how to handle these things. One of the things that came that stood out for me, there were many, many, many things. But one of the things that stood out is that you weren't just looking at how to handle all the challenges from a firefighting problem solving perspective. You were also saying, let's mirror back and encourage our kids to see the good and the bad aspects of temperament. Yes, definitely. And I think that that's what I felt when I was a parent myself. What I, I read all these parenting books and I benefited from a lot of them, you know, but I did feel like there was a, a gap in the sense that, yes, we want to help the child stop tantruming or we want to help the child who's in the middle of a conflict. But we also want to help when those are just sort of everyday moments, you know, or moments that are fine, but could be enhanced, you know, and some of these mismatches I noticed just in our own temperaments, noticing kind of what works for us versus our kids, those things may be very different. So actually figuring out, well, where are these mismatches um, and ways that we could smooth things out um, and ways that we just brush over. We just say, well, that's just how we are, you know, and we don't have to always be like that. Yeah, a thousand percent. You actually dug deeper in the middle of the book, um, somewhere around 173rd page. (laughs) You kind (laughs) of dug in and you were talking about, you know, there's some other reflection for the parents that you're alluding to here with when you want your children to stretch, you have to check your own emotions and yourself. Is that coming from both a professional and a personal reflective space? Yes, definitely. So I actually realized that myself that, uh, yeah, I tell a story about when I was I was in the hospital after my second child was born. And my first child said, you know, oh, I just went ice skating with the babysitter, you know, and it was amazing. It was so fun. And I realized, oh, I'd always told her, oh, you know, I don't do that. I can't deal anything with ice. No, I, I don't do that. You know, and I realized <laughs> that this is like, well, sure, but what kind of message is that sending that, you know, I just don't do those things, you know? And so I was like, well, maybe I could stretch myself too and say, well, I've never done that before, but let's give it a try, you know? And I actually later did try it and I wasn't very good, but uh, actually seeing me, you know, slip and fall and get up and, you know, keep trying, I think was really helpful for my daughter to see. Yeah. I mean, those were, that, that little moment was littered with layers of lessons in there, depending on how old your baby girl was at the time, right? And even from a reflective point as she ages and get older, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're human. So we get it. We look back at our parents like, oh, that's why they used to, you know, say that or do that exactly. or do that way. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and to realize like, well, we have these things and some of them are okay, but it's like, well, how could being a parent help you stretch also, or being a grandparent, you know? And uh, yeah, I think just looking for those opportunities. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it's challenging in all areas of our life because there's a 
I'm going to mess this up and call it a mantra, but I'll just say there's a statement out there that the way you do one thing is the way you do many things or Mm -hmm. everything, right? Mm -hmm. So for your kind of uh, proverbial example of stretching yourself, if you want to also see your kids stretch, that's not just in your parenting, right? That's in our work life and our love life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, to show, uh, to show kids, you know, that I'm doing something that's kind of hard for me. You know, I've never, I've never given this lecture before. I've never talked about this or, you know, and to say, well, uh, oftentimes kids benefit from hearing what we call mixed emotions. So I can feel more than one thing, you know, so I can be nervous, but I can also be excited, you know, and that's okay to feel more than one thing. Um, so that when they get to that point and they say, well, I feel this weird thing, I don't know what to call it, you know, to say, well, maybe it's more than one thing. You know, you don't have to be sad, happy, or angry. You know, there's a whole spectrum there. Yeah. I love, love, love that you hit that. There's a a huge part of what pulls me forth is helping other people live in the space of and, A-N-D. I love that. Right? Instead of having to do the or like you're inferring. And I think a lot of the societal, you know, more patriarchal pressures that come to us is it's this hard black or white, you mm-hmm. have to choose a right. thing when the reality of, of all of it is many of us, if we're honest with ourselves across the spectrum of our entire work life and love balance that we're hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, intentional about creating is we are very gray and multiple variations of that shade of gray, including in our emotions. And even though our kids are brutally honest, right? (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. With their emotions, you know, you get a teenager and say, how do I look today? You better have some thick skin. (laughs) Or a 10 year old, honestly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or a preteen. That's right. They are like, mom, my daughter does that. She's 21 now, but she's been the most brutal person person ever like what that is not your shade like don't don't, don't wear that (laughs) um and you know and there's so much power and freedom in their honesty and their courageousness that I think a lot of times the world starting with the family as well as the cultural community and societal pressures we corrupt them in a in a way by trying to make them so politically correct mm-hmm. that they dim down their honesty and their spirits yeah. and all the joy that could really be stimulated from that. So I love the fact that you're doing a lot of creative work with kids and adults and helping them helping them to tap back into that. Is did you decide to also work with adults because you saw the parallel and like where it got diminished? Yeah, actually, it's funny that I I really started working with adults even back in grad school. I um, worked with preschool teachers, and I recognized that the way they managed their own stress translated to their kids and how their kids were dealing with stress and what they were, you know, how they were behaving. And so I recognized, okay, we have to do, you know, more than one thing. So it has to be the teachers and the kids or the parents and the kids. You know, we can't really just keep kids in isolation and say, oh, they're just behaving that way. You know, we have to also think, well, what's the environment in which they're, you know, being raised or being taught or, you know, and how can we actually think critically about that and say, well, yeah, how can we change that in ways that enhance how they behave and think too? Yeah, that that's a point because kids are really a mirror of what's happening in their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't always want to hear that when our kids or our you know, friends' kids that we know and love are showing out and acting right. out in some way because we feel like that's putting a judgment on their parenting or our own parenting, sure, which isn't sure. necessarily 
always the case because there's exactly. so many nuances. And I know as a speech, pa- you know, the speech pathologist hat mm-hmm. that you wear when, when that right. one's on, you know that there are significant challenges for a kid that has a hard time hearing and therefore expressing themselves in a clear communicative way. And our kids, you know, the kids of the world can be really mean, oh, and, yeah. right? And tease and poke and make faces. So now that child goes home and may act out. It's not a judgment to the parenting, right? Like there was something else going on. So I'm curious for you in both your personal and your professional life, when there are these other layers and contexts that most people won't pay attention to, do you find yourself catching it faster or are you also kind of speed bumping past it because you... You're, you're human. Right. <laughs> you're just trying to yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's some of both, to be honest. I mean, I think, um, you know, sometimes it's funny because I sometimes have, you know, people over, friends over, and they see I write this book. And, you know, by the end of, we have maybe say a party. And so at the end of the party, you know, my five-year-old is hitting someone, you know, and everybody turns to me kind of like, well, do you have this magic solution? You know, like, you know, I'm like, stop hitting, hitting her. You know, I'm like, okay, it's not a magic solution. You know, and so, you know, it's not as though we have to have conversation about everything, you know, and mm-hmm. if sometimes there are times where we, yeah, we just need to set the boundary and that's the case. Um, and also not to feel embarrassed or that, you know, the fact that my child is hitting means that I'm not a good parent or the exactly. fact that that kind of thing, you know, so I think we can get so wrapped up and say, oh, this is a reflection on me or this is, you know, he's doing this because of me. And so to realize there's so much that can go on. So I do tend to notice now more, well, let's look at some of the factors, you know, is this mm-hmm. child, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, you know, is there something else going on that might be causing this? And is there some way of redirecting in a way that's maybe more helpful, that's maybe more calm. Um, And I do think some of my training has helped with that, but it doesn't mean that, you know, everything is smooth sailing by far, for sure. (laughs) Now, I super appreciate you saying that because a lot of people, when they're listening to, you know, parenting experts, children experts, let alone on the medical side, because you have, you know, both that you're coming from um, educationally and clinically, often we feel like, oh, they're shaming me. Mm-hmm. And we shake the shame here right. at Balance Holy Podcast, <laughs> right? Like there's no shame, sure. there's no judgment, but there is observation of how we can improve and do better, which is why people are listening for these tools that people like you are showing up and sharing out of your own free time. I did not pay her to say any of these things, guys. Exactly. <laughs> I appreciate, right? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, with, with all of that said, I think it's really helpful to hear for all that you're you're sharing and saying is that that mirror has edges. It's not just the mirroring of, you know, what's happening between the parents exactly. with the parent one to the child. It's all those edges like you said, are they hungry? Is there something else going on with them clinically in, mm-hmm. internally, metabolically, mm-hmm. with their brain, all of it, as well as the edges of where their experiences are outside of your home yeah. and yeah. how it's impacting. I love that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you personally, how are you giving yourself permission to pause? That's a great question. Yes. I think that for me, yeah, I think it's so important because I realize that especially things like the end of the day, everyone's tired, everyone's upset. And I do think that we all need to pause in order to be there for each other. I think that we need our own downtime, our alone time. And for me, it's oftentimes things like taking walks. So I find that I actually 
really benefit from fresh air, from no masks, you know, from the situation where you're just with yourself, your own thoughts, sometimes with podcasts, you know, and a chance to really process things. So I find that's, for me, a chance to pause and relax and just to say, well, I need a chance to breathe too. Yeah, no, I definitely love that. When you can create that bubble for yourself to just feel the feels of you (laughs) without necessarily being overstimulated by everybody else Mm -hmm. is really helpful and powerful. Rebecca, you have been such a gift. How can people connect with you? you? Thank you. Yes, they can go to my website. So it's just Rebecca Roland with two L's.com. You can also find me on Facebook at Rebecca Roland or um, Twitter. So Roland underscore RNG. Awesome. I'll definitely be connecting with you on Twitter as well. So for everyone listening, I want you to to remember to go and get this book. Depending on the time that you're hearing this, it's either super available right now or it's on pre-order. Either way, click it and put it in your cart. (laughs) The Art of Talking with Children, The Simple Keys to Nurturing Kindness, Creativity, and Confidence in Kids. Rebecca Gibbons, Roland, thank you so much for showing up on the BBP today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This is wonderful. Balance Bowley listeners, we are so grateful as always for you tuning in week after week. If you have not done us the honor already, I ask in advance for you to subscribe so you get all the notifications and then rate and review so we can make sure all of the podcast world, ether and ecosystem is aware of these fantastic balance tools. And we can continue to help the other ambitious women in business and a few brave men make sure that they have everything that they need so they can thrive in work life and in love. Until next time, enjoy the balance of your day, but remember, do it boldly. 